<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, May 17th, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, can Minecraft Earth be the killer app for AR? Are the best and brightest shunning work at Facebook? Has drone maker DJI beaten GoPro at its own game? And do I have some killer weekend long read suggestions? You better believe I do. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Hewlett-Packard Enterprise is buying supercomputer maker Cray in a deal valued at $1.3 billion or $35 a share, which represents a premium of 17.4% to Cray's closing share price yesterday. Weren't we just talking about Cray building the world's fastest supercomputer for the U.S. Department of Energy? Quoting Reuters, As part of the deal, HPE expects to incur one-time integration costs that will be absorbed within its fiscal year 2020 free cash flow outlook of $1.9 billion to $2.1 billion. That remains unchanged. Seattle-headquartered Cray has U.S.-based manufacturing operations and about 1,300 employees worldwide. It earned $456 million in revenue in its last fiscal year. Cray's supercomputing systems can handle massive data sets, converged modeling, simulation, artificial intelligence, and analytics workloads, end quote. This is potentially huge gaming news. Microsoft has officially announced Minecraft Earth, a real-world AR version of Minecraft, available in closed beta on iOS and Android later this summer. So what you're going to want to do is imagine a Pokemon Go-like gaming experience with your friends out in the real world, but with Minecraft. Pokemon Go saw something like 20 million people playing it daily at its height. Minecraft has 91 million active players. Now can you see why this could be so big? Quoting Tom Warren in The Verge. Imagine sitting at home and building something in Minecraft on your phone and then dropping it into your local park for all of your friends to see it together at the same exact location. Minecraft Earth aims to transform AR gaming from single-person experiences into a living, breathing, virtual world that's shared by everyone. If Microsoft succeeds, you'll be able to walk into a mall and point your phone's camera at a McDonald's Minecraft adventure while you're eating a Big Mac or see your own giant structures next to actual buildings. Just like Pokemon Go... You'll need to venture out into the real world to collect things. Instead of Pokestops, Minecraft Earth has tappables that are randomly placed in the world around you. There are always two nearby, and you can walk to get more. These are designed to give you small rewards that allow you to build things, and you'll want to collect as many of these as possible to get resources and items to build vast structures in the building mode. We have covered the entire planet in Minecraft, explains Tori Olufsen, game director at Minecraft Earth. Every lake is a place you can fish. Every park is a place you can chop down trees. We've actually taken maps of the entire world and converted them to Minecraft, end quote. These maps, based on OpenStreetMap, have allowed Microsoft to start working out where to place Minecraft adventures into the world. These adventures spawn dynamically, 
on the Minecraft Earth map and are designed for multiple people to get involved in, end quote. As Warren says in the piece, if Microsoft pulls this off, this could easily be the killer app that takes AR mainstream. You can register today to take part in this summer's beta. Despite what you might think, there have been, apparently, some serious real-world repercussions to the never-ending cavalcade of scandals emanating from Facebook over the last couple of years. In short, it seems like the kids aren't as eager to work at Facebook as they once were. Quoting CNBC, Among top schools such as Stanford, Carnegie Mellon, and Ivy League universities, Facebook's acceptance rate for full-time positions offered to new graduates has fallen from an average of 85% for the 2017-2018 school year to between 35 and 55% as of December, according to former Facebook recruiters. The biggest decline came from Carnegie Mellon University, where the acceptance rate for new recruits dropped to 35%. This drop has been echoed elsewhere in the company's recruiting efforts. The company has seen a decline in acceptance rates among software engineer candidates for its product teams. Those teams have seen their acceptance rates fall from nearly 90% in late 2016 to almost 50% in early 2019, according to one recruiter who left recently, end quote. As Dari Obasanjo tweeted, sometimes the slings and arrows of the free market can sting more than any government action ever could, quote, the impact of no longer being able to attract the brightest and best students will hurt more than any fine, end quote. Alphabet's Wing will start drone deliveries in Helsinki, Finland in coming weeks with a gourmet supermarket and restaurant as its first launch partners. According to VentureBeat, Wing's drones will, quote, deliver items weighing 3.3 pounds or less up to a distance of 6.2 miles. The company says that in anticipation of the launch, it has hosted several community events, quote, so that local residents could ask questions about the service and provide thoughts on how Wing might fit into their lives. The Helsinki expansion marks Wing's first European rollout and comes a month after its commercial drone delivery service launched in Australia. Wing currently serves around 100 homes in the suburbs of Cross, Franklin, and Palmerston, where Wing's drones have completed 70,000 flights and 3,000 deliveries. Meanwhile, Wing, in April, gained a small-sized air carrier designation from the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration that will enable it to kick off drone deliveries from local merchants in the Virginia towns of Blacksburg and Christianburg within months, end quote. And speaking of drones, but coming at it from the opposite direction, did you know that DJI, the most famous consumer drone manufacturer, has also gotten into the GoPro-style action camera biz? And Brian Heater at TechCrunch says, the new Osmo action camera from DJI is maybe out GoProing GoPro. The new camera actually has two cameras, the usual action camera, and a front-facing selfie camera. It's got apparently great HDR and electronic image stabilization. Quote, once fired up, the camera is capable of shooting 4K videos at up to 60 frames per second, along with 12 megapixel photos. The Osmo Action features an option effect to de-warp videos, removing the fisheye effect in the process. And in keeping with the rest of DJI's offerings, there are a number of different in-camera effects for creating compelling videos on the fly, including time-lapse, 
eight times slow motion, and a variety of custom exposure effects that will give you cool shots of things like the stars, end quote. The DJI Osmo action camera comes in at only $349, which actually puts it $50 cheaper than the GoPro Hero 7 Black, though apparently there have been generous sales and discounts to GoPros ever since the Osmo arrived. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months. Or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. Time for the weekend long read suggestions, beginning with one that I've been waiting for. The New York Times has a lengthy beat-by-beat behind the scenes of Uber's, shall we say, less-than-stellar IPO from a week ago today. Why did Uber stumble so badly out of the gate? As you'd expect, there are myriad possible causes among them, that fixation on the $120 billion valuation number that Uber wanted, but also some things that I had never considered, among them the costly competition from one of Uber's largest shareholders, Masasan, who had also heavily invested in ride-hailing companies that were competing with Uber and grabbing share and promising markets, and the fact that major Wall Street players like Fidelity Investments had already gotten in on earlier private investing rounds, thus, I guess, not then being available to fill the role of eager IPO investor 
which they would have traditionally filled at that point. And as I've said before, when Paul Ford writes a piece, you read it. His piece in Wired, titled Why I Still Love Tech in Defense of a Difficult Industry, could have been an essay right out of my own heart. I feel like I've spent 15 months doing this show, and day after day, reporting on scandal and scary implications from new technology. But darn it, if at the end of it all, all I really want is tech to be great. I just want tech to be better, like I know it can be, like I feel like it used to be. As everything Paul writes, this piece is well-reasoned, thoughtful, and well-written. Quote, The mysteries of software caught my eye when I was a boy, and I still see it with the same wonder, even though I'm now an adult. Proud-shamed, yes, but I still love it. The mess of it, the code and toolkits, down to the pixels and the processors, and up to the buses and bridges. I love the whole made world. But I can't deny that the miracle is over and that there is an unbelievable amount of work left for us to do, end quote. And this is a piece designed to start a debate. Apple Insider has a piece up defending Apple's decision to go it alone and build out Apple TV Plus instead of just buying Netflix like everyone was screaming back when they could. There's a whole litany of arguments in this piece that we've heard before. There's nothing Netflix can do that Apple theoretically can't. Netflix is in a different business with a different culture, taking on debt, blah, 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 quote. But Apple also has something else Netflix lacks, control over its distribution hardware. Apple TV Plus will stream content to Macs, iOS devices, and Apple TV, as well as Samsung TVs that support Apple's protocols and devices that work with AirPlay 2. Apple can optimize its content specifically for that narrow range of hardware, end quote. Now, look, I'm not saying I agree with this piece, because I kind of really don't. But as I said, it was written to spark a debate. So read it and start debating. And speaking of Apple and people who, when they write something, I automatically read it. Horace Dedu has a piece up defending the iPhone as the most successful product of all time and arguing that it still is even as Apple moves to services. In fact, it still is because it might allow Apple to move successfully to services. As anything Horace posts on a Simcoe, it's full of juicy charts and stats like these, quote, Economically speaking, iPhone sales have reached $1 trillion. Since the iPhone launched, Apple's sales have totaled $1.918 trillion. Of those trillions, about one half a trillion was accumulated in the form of income. Of that half a trillion in income, $360 billion was paid out to shareholders, and $131 billion was paid in taxes, end quote. But also, Horace says that the plasticity of the iPhone business is what might enable Apple to succeed in its pivot to services. Quote, some would argue that even with a $43 billion revenue rate, $80 billion billing rate, that's for services, Apple's business is still a hardware business, and that comes with low margins, potential for disruption, non-recurring revenues, and cyclicality. This is not the case. Apple's business has high margins, 64% gross margins for services, 34% for products. It has been resilient over 12 years while attracting hundreds of imitators at lower price points and has loyalty and satisfaction, which results in more than 90% repurchase rates. Cyclicality is driven by seasonality and product lifespans, not competition, end quote. As ever, read the whole thing for that great analysis porn that Horace does so well. And some space tech stuff. 
The Verge looks at how, as commercial spaceflight takes off, the traditional aviation industry is, shall we say, getting a little jealous about protecting its turf, which isn't turf at all, of course, because we're talking about airspace. Quote, The cadence of orbital launches has grown in recent years, which means the airspace is being closed more frequently for spaceflight, causing more pilots to divert from their pre-approved routes and take less efficient paths to their destinations. And with the advent of reusable rockets, pilots now have to make way for spaceflight re-entries, too, when a rocket comes back from space after launch and lands on the ground. Experts from both industries are trying to figure out how to coexist without too much disruption, but they're at odds on how to move forward, end quote. And finally today, some tech we've never spoken about on this podcast, mostly because it doesn't exist yet, but the New York Times has a piece up looking at the never-ending quest for the holy grail of science, one of them at least, the one tech breakthrough that if we could achieve it, could in one fell swoop solve like half of the world's problems. Yes, I'm talking about fusion energy, making energy like the stars make it, which, if we could do that down here on Earth, could give us unlimited energy and essentially offer not only a solution to our carbon addiction, but also potentially usher in a utopian possibility of endless plenty and, because you'd finally have that thing that seems impossible and very well might be a machine that generates more power than it takes in, I guess we'd be breaking some fundamental laws of physics. Yes, entrepreneurs and investors are still chasing what used to be called cold fusion back when I was a kid. Quote, fusion is now attracting science-minded entrepreneurs and investors willing to make a long bet. They see small companies as more nimble than government-funded behemoths. They are sensitive to rising alarms over the impact of climate change. They want to create a power source with enviable possibilities, millions of times the energy potential of oil and gas, and substantially more than nuclear power without the carbon emissions of fossil fuels. Fusion proponents also say that it is free of most of the risks of contemporary nuclear plants, which are powered by splitting, not joining atoms, and that it has advantages over wind and solar, whose output is variable and whose turbines and panels require enormous space. There is no doubt in my mind that humanity will eventually succeed in making fusion energy happen, said Robin Grimes, a professor of physics at Imperial College, a public research university in London. We've got no choice, end quote. That's all for today. Got two great weekend bonus episodes coming at you this week. And also, if you're so inclined, on Sunday night, I'll be a guest on This Week in Tech with Leo Laporte and company. So watch that tape live online if you'd like, or wait for the podcast to drop the next day. Talk to you on Monday. Monday.